Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of The Preacher Man with Jamal Brown. And it's been a while. It's been a while. I've actually had something tucked that I wanted to talk about. Um, it's been at least probably two or three months in life. You know, life has been lifing and, you know, married, wife, kids, the whole nine responsibilities. Just finished season three of The Presidential Executive a couple weeks ago. So there's been a lot going on. So I tried to make the summer, at least in my mind, I wanted to make the summer to to get more preacher main episodes in, which I still plan to do. Um, so here we are. Here we are. And I want to talk about Christian content makers, you know, Christian content makers, influencers. You know, I guess I would technically be a part of that group. You know, uh, the number of people that share this type of space continues to grow, which is a good thing. But just like anything else, too much of a good thing can eventually be abused and misused. Desire for money, recognition, recognition, clicks, views, downloads has almost it may not even be accurate to say almost I mean, it, it has become an idol to some. I mean, whatever they need to do to monetize and build their platform as quickly as possible, that's what they're going to do. That's what's going to happen. And being in the space of podcasting and creating video content, I understand it. I mean, it can be a fine line. I mean, you try to make content because you want people to like, view or listen to it. You know, if I didn't want that, I wouldn't try to put it on platforms where millions of people can have access to it. I mean, it's a fine line. And to quote Proverbs fourteen twelve. again, whatever I read is be NLT unless I say different. Proverbs fourteen twelve. it says there is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him. But its end is the way of death and death. Looking at the word death in that verse and death doesn't mean, you know, just physical all the time. You know, it could also mean spiritual. It could mean the death of your integrity or character in that moment. We have Christian content makers or influencers building whole platforms of division and strife and doing it in the name of Jesus. And once you have one episode clip or video go viral. I mean, let's be upfront. It's going to be hard to stop because now you probably feel you have to continue to feed that machine that gave you that viral moment, regardless of how or who you had to talk down on to get it. And that's where I believe the idolatry comes in, because then you're no longer serving or listening to your conscience or Holy Spirit. It's it's all about the shock value, the controversy, the flavor of the day to fulfill your desires, to get the likes, clicks and to be monetized. People don't even speak in general terms, ask questions or just articulate their own experience. They call out specific names, ministries and the sins they need to repent from. And let's be honest about this, too. The goal in this space and podcasting or whatever is to make content for a living if you're a YouTuber or in this um, podcast world because the, because the money is there. I believe it's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And I know YouTubers can safely make high six figures with enough views and impressions. But my thing is, 
How are you going to get there? If I have to make a habit of tearing somebody down because I don't agree with what they said or how they said it and make constant hot takes, then for me, I have to question my integrity and character. People use the term, quote unquote, defending the gospel. But for real, they're defending their pockets or defending their platform Message as if trying to publicly shame or call out someone is going to force them to get right with God. Like, how does that work? I thought it was Holy Spirit's job to chin check us. This is how a minister can be preaching at a church and someone randomly comes in to hear the message, but it feels like they're talking directly to them. It's not a name drop or personal attack. It's Holy Spirit convicting that person about their life or whatever situation that they may be in. It's done in integrity and in such a way nobody knows except you and God. Unless, of course, you share it in a testimony or just amongst your friends or whatever. See, after that, it's a personal decision to either respond, delay or reject the message that you heard. To me, what some Christian content creators and influencers are doing is no different than a greedy pastor catering to a specific message because it puts butts in seats and dollars in his pocket. It's no longer preaching the full counsel of God or being obedient to what he says do. It's about what I can do to continue to build on what's already been established. And I've heard some use the Bible to defend how they're publicly calling out and quote unquote exposing people. I've heard some use Ephesians, what is it? It's Ephesians 5, uh, Ephesians 5, 10 through 14. Again, this would be in the New Living. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. All right, let's break some of this down for a minute. Verse 10 says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. 11, take no part in worthless deeds of evil and dark of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Okay, taking no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness is pretty clear. I mean, that's literal, like whether that's lying, sexual immorality, being drunk, greed, greedy or whatever. What I found out was some people may call evil or darkness is actually just a religious preference or just a bad choice of words used by the person that they're calling out. And since they believe it's evil and don't do those things, it's their job in their mind to expose them. As the rest of verse 11 says, which says instead expose them. However, cross-examination, looking at the word, um, words, um, their meaning, their original meaning. The word expose means in context, it brings out. I mean, the word expose in context brings out a whole different framework to the meaning. If you read verse 11 in the Amplified, it gives more meat to what Paul was expressing When he said expose them, it says do not participate in the worthless. And this is an amplified that I'm reading, actually. Okay, It says do not participate in the worthless and unproductive deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. 
Then in parentheses, it, it breaks down the exposed part. It says by exemplifying personal integrity, moral courage and godly character. So it's not saying to expose them the American way or the westernized way that most of us understand it as like by being emotional, messy, petty, nitpicking and making someone feel less than it's saying exposing them being an example of personal integrity, more courage and godly character. You can't be an example of personal integrity, integrity by building platforms, tearing down people in their ministries. You can't be an example of moral courage, calling out people without context and without seeing a full body of work. You can't be an example of godly character, making a living off people's public imperfections. It's hard to justify defending the gospel when the fruit of the actions shown don't line up with the context of it. So it's not that we shouldn't be able to reveal things and call a spade a spade. It's how we're supposed to do it in the spirit of personal integrity, moral courage and godly character. And that's supposed to set us apart as believers. Like, why would an unbeliever or someone you call a heretic take to heart what you have to say? Like, do you even know them? Is there a relationship? Is the way you're going about addressing them the way you should start one, start a relationship? Like, I have a friend that I've known and I got a pretty good friendship with him for the last 20 plus years. Like, I can talk to him bluntly, emotional if need be, and he would understand and receive what I'm saying because we have a track record of having each other's best interests in mind. I could be more on edge talking to him because we've built trust equity in our relationship. Some of y'all be talking greasy about people you don't know at all and you want them to take you serious because you put God's name behind it. <laughs> like it don't it don't work like that. Like Paul the apostle Paul dealt with people in writing to the Philippians that preached the gospel out of self-promotion, jealousy and rivalry. Like God probably revealed that to him but what he didn't do was check them. I tried to gather a group of people to call them out for the sake of the gospel. What he did was rejoice because regardless of motives, words he didn't agree with, etc. Jesus, the name of Jesus was being preached. Maybe he knew exhausting the energy combating them would take away from people fully receiving the word he was preaching. This is in Philippians one, mind you. Philippians chapter one, verses 12 through 19. It says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news for everyone here, including the whole palace guard knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, 
not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. And if you go back to verse 18, like he knew what they were doing. They were preaching, you know, with selfish, selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to make his chains more painful to him. But he said that didn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So he rejoiced. Listen to that. He rejoiced. Like Paul's mission and assignment was too valuable for him to get sidetracked. Honestly, just thinking about it, it had to be the devil that tried to get a reaction out of Paul through those people preaching out of self-promotion, jealousy and rivalry to help derail the focus of his ministry. But he didn't take the bait. He decided to rejoice instead when he could have gave a lot of his energy to those people preaching with bad intentions or saying things that weren't true or wouldn't uh, that, that he didn't agree with. Also reference. What is it? First Timothy five, first Timothy five verses 19 and 20. And it says is that in that on those verses, as some people use to defend them, calling out or exposing or exposing people do not listen to an accusation against an elder. Okay, this is this is okay. This is First Timothy five, y'all. Uh, starting with nineteen and twenty. Do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. And let me backtrack. I don't know if I mentioned. And the first Timothy five, 19 to 20 is is uh, what others use that do do those things. Christian content influencers, uh, content creators, they use as a confirmation why they bash people on public platforms. They kind of use first Timothy five, 19 through 20. OK, just FYI and said. And that's what I was saying in 19. It says, do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it's confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. OK, so although First Timothy five is addressing the universal church by context, it's referring to a local community body of believers, a.k.a. a four walls church. Like, how can you reprimand a pastor or an, an overseer? Just people on the Internet by watching 90 second clips of something that they said. How many people that rebuke and call out others have actually been under the leadership of the person they're criticizing? In first Timothy, first Timothy five is addressing church as a community, a local community. So they're rebu rebuking those those people because they're up close with them. The context of the chapter doesn't give anybody the right to reprimand an elder, not just anybody. It's speaking of a congregation that has has to be up close and has to have on site evidence, you know, and hearsay of foul play. The majority of people exposing others, especially on the Internet and social media and stuff, have never been within 300 feet of the person 
nor do they plan to. Second Timothy two, chapter two and verse 15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. As I'm talking, I don't know if y'all can hear that thunder in the back. We've been having some storms out here. So if you hear that thunder, yeah, my bad, but that's what it is. So second Timothy two and verse 15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. See, chatter can become godless when God's name is used as a cover to promote division and gossip. Just as everyone that says, thus says the Lord, is not speaking on his behalf, saying you're defending the gospel and creating platforms that are built on the unrighteousness of others is fake, is disingenuous, is counterfeit. But our culture feeds off clickbait and negativity. So even some Bible believing Christians won't see a problem with it because of the tag phrase defending the gospel or defending Christ. Not thinking about the personal integrity, moral courage and godly character that needs to come along with it. The word of God should be plain. However, if not rightly divided and read in context, it can lead to division, strife, and a false confidence in something he never promised or told us to do. Another layer on top of this, nowadays especially, people are looking for community, unity, and some type of accountability. But instead of turning to Jesus, they're turning to other religions, religions and organizations that resemble those things on a more consistent basis, like the nations of, of Islam, the Hebrew Israelites and the divine nine of sororities and fraternities. See, they're all a copy of what the body of Christ should feel like. No matter where you go in the country. Things remain the same in sororities and fraternities, the majority of them. I'm talking about mostly black fraternities and sororities because that's that's what I'm familiar with. Like the colors, the information, handshakes, the unity. As a follow of Jesus, things could look drastically different if you go around, if you go to another denomination two blocks away. Like so the consistency is not there in compared to those others. Like the distinction of what Christianity is and what it should be are so far off that we've made several different genres of faith to satisfy whatever narrative we want to push. It's the charismatic versus reform, non-denominational versus Kojic, Pentecostal versus Southern Baptist. Like it's crazy. And the wild part about that is despite all the division, strife and confusion, God's family continues to grow and be very valuable in the world. It also shows even though we do push our own agenda and act like illegitimate children, God's will and word will be done regardless. Just think what it could be if we all followed the same script instead of making different versions of the original. As I close, I want to shout out to my little bro, MKJ Minister, Malik Johnson on the message. Oh, there we go. 
on the message he preached in my home church a few weeks ago, talking about secret societies. Well, more than a few weeks ago at this point, it's probably been two or three months um, talking about secret societies and false gods. It was a dope message. I told him in person. I told him on social media, but I said I was going to give him a shout out to them preacher man as well. So it was a dope message yet and bold message to preach given the demographic of the audience. And, you know, salute to my guy on that, man. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Stay humble. Uh, first and foremost, stay focused and know God is doing the work. And he's one of the biggest supporters of this pod and also other Prezex and Actually, I look forward to having them on here on the Preacher Man. We can chop it up about some spiritual things. Just, you know, chop it up about some stuff. Uh, This has become somewhat of a custom to end these Preacher Man solo pods. So keep in mind, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, salute.